Before we uh, deal with this message today, born in a manger, visited in a house. Born in a manger, visited in a house. I want to bring forth some points here before I get started that I was going to bring them at the end, but I'm going to go and get them out of the way now. The first point is this, people, that you only prosper where God has planted you. You only prosper where God has planted you. You see, God has planted, God has, has prepared a soil for each and every one of us to be planted in. And I believe to my heart that one of the biggest reasons why we, I don't like that word Christian, because that's what the Romans called us at Antioch. But I, I, I like that word disciple because that's what Jesus called us. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Can I just get this thing straight? So I think one of the biggest problems today in this so-called Christian dome world is that we never seek out the soil where God has planted us at. And that's why we don't prosper the way we're supposed to. You see, anytime you decide where you want to plant yourself, more than likely, you're not going to prosper in the Lord. Why would God sit you Give you a gift. Ask yourself. Everybody has a gift. Am I correct? Most of us have many gifts. But why would God give you a gift and put you in a place where all you can do is sit on it? Remember the talent that the man buried? Many of us plant our own selves in places where our talents can't be used because we decide the soil. We never seek God on it. Am I right about it? Amen. Amen. So that's point number one. In order to prosper, we have to allow ourselves to be planted where God has planted us. Number two, You've got to learn to ask the right questions before you try to have the right answer. Okay? Let me use something that we all understand. We all understand not enough money. Everybody understand that, don't Because I want to make sure you understand. Now, we have an answer in our own minds that if I get a new job, if I can just make some more money, that everything will be all right. That's our answer. Am I right about it? But we never ask the question why we don't have enough money. You see, if we ask the question, if we ask the right question to ourselves, then we can get the right answers. But because we don't ask the right questions, 
we can get a job going from $10 an hour to $25 an hour and still be broke. Because we've never asked the right question to make the difference in our life. So we keep asking God for more, but the more we ask for and the more we get, the more it blows in the wind. Because we never ask the right question. What's the reason that I keep coming up short? And if you ask yourself the right question, you'll find the right answer lies within you and the things that you're doing. Amen? Amen. So let's learn to ask the right question before we try to give the right answer to our problems, okay? Start asking questions. Remember I told you that God don't mind us asking why? He wants us to ask him questions so that he can give us answers when we're reading the Bible. God's not going to get mad at you because you ask why. Why, Lord? He wants you to know. He wants you to ask. He said you have not because you ask not. Amen? The third thing that we need to understand is that we have to make our assignment our obsession. Because an assignment without an obsession, you won't have the fuel and the passion to carry it out. Your assignment once you discover what it is, you have to make that assignment an obsession. That means it has to live with you day and night, 24-7. And you've got to always meditate on it and discover what God wants you to do with that assignment. Number four, you've got to target your seed. Let me give you an example. Now, a lot of times... We give offerings and give tithes, right? How many of us target that offering or that tithing? You see, when you give, you should have a target that you're shooting at, a target of expectation. You see, when a farmer sows, he's got an expectation. You just don't sow just to be sowing just because somebody told you to sow. You have to have a target. Let me give you an example. When God sold his son into this world for mankind, do you not know that God had a target for doing that when he sowed the seed of his son? You know what that target was? That he would bring forth a family. That he would get some souls saved and bring forth a family a family of God here on the earth. Amen? That's a targeted situation. Let whatever you do, whatever you plant, whatever you sow, have a targeted expectation. Just don't do it just to be doing it or because somebody told you to do it. Just don't shout because somebody told you to shout. Just don't say amen because you feel that's the same. Have a targeted effort in what you're doing. When you go to work every day, you've got a targeted effort to get a paycheck, right? When you sow into God's kingdom, have a targeted expectation. If you want to reap a harvest, you've got to have an expectation of a harvest. Don't waste your time sowing if you don't know what you're sowing for. 
when you sow, make sure you know what you're sowing for. So when you release it, your target goes with it. Amen? Because if you don't have a target, how are you going to hit the bullseye? If you're not aiming for nothing, how are you going to hit something? Hmm? You know the difference between a shotgun and a rifle is a rifle is a targeted effort. You put it on it, and, and, and if you aim right, that rifle's going to hit it. But with a shotgun, it scatters. When you want a targeted effort, you've got to do the rifle approach. You've got to zero in on what you want to do. I hope I'm making sense to you before I get in this word this morning. I'm just trying to help you because we got a new season coming up. And because we have a new season, we need to become new with it, right? Last but not least, guess what God did when he gave you a family? When God gave you a family, he gave you everything you needed to deal with the world out there. See, your family is your practice run to deal with the world. Because with your family, you have arguments, you have to negotiate, you've got to learn how to handle things, right, right? You have fights, you've got to know how to pick your fights. It gets us ready for what's out there. That's what family does, right? Amen? Before we can go out there, <laughs> Ed is cut that off, son. Before we can go out there and be successful, we're going to have to deal with what we've got inside our own household, right? Amen? Mm-hmm. Let's go to the book of Luke. Born in a manger, visited in a house. The book of Luke, chapter 2. Starting at verse 7, over there. Say amen when you get there. In the book of Luke, I hope they got it up on the screen. Chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says, and she, Mary, brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Well, every year, you hear the same old thing in most places, but you never get understanding on what's really written here. We're going to try to help you today. A manger is a stall, a trough, something where you feed animals. Amen? What a manger is, a trough where pigs eat, cows, horses, all kind of beasts. The Bible says here that Jesus was born there. Now, Mary was the one that birthed Jesus, and Mary means rebellion, same as Miriam, means to rebel. You see, in order for you to have Jesus in you, you've got to rebel against the world, and you got to rebel against religion too to have the real Jesus in you. And see, Mary, she knew religion, but she didn't like religion. She rebelled. That's why her name means rebellion. She rebelled against what was normal for everybody so that she could get what was better for her. 
and those that was to come after her. You see, for us, we've all got a Mary in us, a rebellious state in us, if you're here at House of Destiny, because, see, you don't like what's out there. You don't like what's being taught out there. You want more. You want more than just a hoop to hype. You want more. So you've got to find somewhere where you can be planted so that you can get more. Or it would be a devastating day for you to come through here and not realize just where you are. It would be a pitiful thing for you to do that. You know, it really would. But the Bible says that she brought forth, there was a birthing taking place, born in a manger. Her firstborn son, that word son, that means builder of God in man. And he was what we call wrapped. Mm. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes. First of all, that word there, wrapped in swaddling clothes, means that there's a convulsion taking place. There's a tearing away of the normal. And in the midst of being teared away, the swaddling clothes represents the fact that he was tied up. Let me explain what's going on here. You see, when God planted Jesus in us, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, means that he was tied up. And the reason he was tied up, because he was born in a trough among the animals where they feed. That animal was our animalistic nature that feeds on us. And the baby was brought right there in the midst. See, when you got saved, the baby Jesus was brought right there in the midst of all these animalistic natures and lust and all of that. Am I making myself clear up in here? And what happened was that these swallowing clothes that he was tied up in, it caused a convulsion. See, 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 ever since the days of John the Baptist, you know, the Bible said that, hey, the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. See, in order to get out of that tied up state, you've got to do some convulsing. You've got to take it by force. You've got to come out of those swaddling clothes by force. It doesn't come easy. Because after all, you wrap right in where all the lust of the world, the pride of life, and the lust of the eyes, all this other stuff. The baby Jesus is right there in the midst of that. So he's born in this manger. And the reason that he's born in this manger is the fact that there's no room in the end for them. That word end there means that there's no break in this thing called salvation. There's no break in it. 
He that endures to the end shall be saved. You don't take breaks on God. There's no room in the end, see. The end was the place where they could take a break, take a rest. Uh-uh. Jesus was born in swirling clothes. See, see, Jesus had to fight when he was birthed in you. Because he was birthed not among friendly terms, but he was birthed among the enemy that's within us. And that's pretty deep to be birthed right there in the midst of that. Let's go to verse 21. Same chapter, verse 21. Amen? Amen. And when eight days were accomplished from the circumcising of the child, his name is called Jesus, which means Savior, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in Mary's womb. Now watch this. Eight days. Eight days means there's a new beginning. Eight is a new beginning. When you get saved, there's, you, 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 you go on a new beginning in life. Am I, am I right about it? Amen. So here you are now. You're on a new beginning with life. And in order to go further, something has to take place. The circumcision. The circumcision takes place because it wants to get you out of those swaddling clothes. Them things just got you tied up. Amen? Some things got to be cut away. That's what circumcision means. Some things got to be left behind. Some things can't go with you. Some people can't go with you. Some thoughts can't go with you. In order to get best, you got to turn better loose sometime to make room for best. Amen? Some of us can't let go of things. You got to learn how to let go of some things and don't be shame about it. And don't feel guilty about it. And don't be hollering about what happened to you 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Because the Bible say any, I say any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, right? Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Paul said, I forget those things that are behind me. You see? All that stuff that Paul did, it was constantly trying to run him down. But Paul said, look, I got to keep pressing. I know this stuff back here trying to run me down. I know our past is always trying to run us down. And I know people always try to keep up in our past if we let them. But let me tell you something. When you run up on people that try to keep you in your past, they're doing the work of the devil. Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And many of us are being used by the devil and we don't even know it. Eight days, a new beginning in life. We're going into a new year that's got an eight in it. A new beginning. Let's move on over to Matthew, the second chapter, verses 9 through 12. Born in a manger. We understand being born in a manger, being caught up and tied up in our own lust and our own desires and our own need for the things that we want. In other words, we're running out of what we call in football the I-formation. 
iPhone, iPad, selfie, all that kind of stuff. I. We're running out of that I formation. It's all about I. Born in a manger, but visited in a house. Are y'all there in Matthew 2, verse 9 through 12? Now go to first, uh, the first verse. Go to verse 1. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, that's the house of bread in praise, in the days of Herod the king, Herod, the world system, he's over it. Behold, there came, what kind of men? Wise men. Where'd they come from? Somebody say within. Wisdom comes from within. From the top side of you. They came from within. East. And where did it come to? To a place called peace. Amen. So without wisdom. No peace. No wisdom. No peace. Not your wisdom. But God's wisdom. You see when the birth of Jesus Christ comes in a person. What happens is, is that wisdom begins to seek it out. This is a map, people. This is a map. And wisdom began to follow the map to find out where the Jesus baby was. Because 1 Corinthians one twenty four says that Jesus Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. So what was birthed in us is God's power and his wisdom. And there's only one power, and that power is from God, right? If Christ is God's power, that's why God called him his only begotten son, because there's only one power, the Bible says in the book of Romans. And the powers that be are ordained of God. That's word. No wonder he was called the only begotten son of God, because that's the only power that God has, and that's the only one he needs. Amen? Amen? Know your scriptures. Know what you're reading when you're reading it. Seek, ask questions to God. And get up under a teaching where people will teach you and give you a word where you can understand what this Bible is saying. And cut out all this old foolishness they call it church. Amen. Ain't y'all sick of it by now? My God. You see, it ain't working. The only thing going to work is the kingdom. I know some of you are looking at me crazy, but you got to understand that we're trying to take you higher. You got to break that thing that's in you that your mama taught and your daddy taught and you've been taught by religion. You got to break that. You got to come on up higher. He, he, the angel told John, now look, if you want to know what's going on, you're going to have to come up here. I'm not coming down there. You're going to have to come up. In order to see more, you got to get up more, remember? You got to grow more in order to see more. Because as long as you're on the same level, you're going to see the same thing. And sooner or later, guess what? You're going to get tired of eating the same thing, and then you're going to become... Null and void. You're just going to do what we call flatline. 
You know what that means. You just dead. You sitting up in church dead. See, every time you come through that door, you need to be learning something new. Amen? See, here now, wise men came. All right? Go on over there to verse 9. Matthew 2, verse 9. I ain't going to be with you long. Just a few more minutes. And the Bible says, when they had heard, I'm coming out of Matthew 2, verses 9, 9 through 12. And when, and when they had heard the king, they departed. See, the king told them to go find this Jesus. See, that's a trick. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. See, that's a map. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the what? I thought he was in a manger. Something changed. Something has changed. He's not in a manger no more. He's not wrapped in swaddling clothes no more. There's some growth that has taken place. Now he's in a house. We're going we're to deal with all that in a minute. We're going to deal with that. And they saw the young child with Mary's mother, fell down, worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, we're going to deal with that too, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. See, wisdom came from his own country, and wisdom went back to its country. Didn't go back to the world and the world system called Herod. But look here. Look what happened. King tells them to go find Jesus. They see this star. This star represents there's a, a light, a piercing, a revelation. And they see the revelation. And all of this is happening inside because it's in the east. And the east always represents within. It ain't out there. I'm sorry. This book is a book for this. God ain't interested in that out there. He already know what's going to happen to all that. He's he concerned about what's going to happen to your soul. So this word is a map to get your soul right. Amen? Amen? This is what this is all about, getting your soul right. Because your soul is the most precious thing in the universe to God. Amen? There's nothing more important than your soul. That's why the devil wants it so bad. Because he wants some company too. Down there where he's going. He don't want to be down there by himself. He ain't got to worry about that. We're going to have plenty of visitors, and I hope I'm not one. No, he's going to have plenty of residents. Ain't no visitor. They're going to be residing there, and I hope I'm not one. I ain't made it in yet, but I'm hoping. You haven't either. It says here that they saw this star, this revelation in the east. You got to see something from within. And it's got to guide you because it went before them until it stood over where the young child was. You see, we got the kingdom of God inside of us. And I've told y'all before, if you keep messing around and searching around in the kingdom that's inside of you, you're going to fool around and run up on the king every time. Because every kingdom got a king in it. Amen? 
And if you keep on fooling around in this kingdom, you're going to run up on the king. You can bet that. Because after all, it's the kingdom of God, right? Luke 17, 21. And it's inside you. says here in verse 10 that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Have you ever got a revelation from from God and it just blew your mind and you just wanted to take off in a holy run and you knew you couldn't tell nobody? Because everybody would think you were crazy. But you felt, see, the thing about revelation is when you, when God reveals, I'm talking about reveals something to you, it does something to your soul. It waters your soul. That's why the shoe bread had to be made every day. The 12 cakes of the shoe bread had to be made every day. And it was put in six stacks. Two stacks, six in each stack. Representing man and God's divine purpose for man. Amen? Every day. Because if you're eating the same bread, it's going to get stale on you. Amen? So we have to have a fresh revelation every day. They had to go and get manna out every day. Every day. Except on Sunday. Well, except on Friday because then it was the Sabbath. Saturday was the Sabbath. Still is. Verse 11 said, And when they were coming to the what? House. He ain't in a manger no more. See, he was buried and birthed in that pig trough, that cow trough, that animal trough where, where, where he was tied up. And the animals ate out of that trough. But now that he's been circumcised and freed, he's in the house. Guess whose house he's in now? Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. Now, this is his house. See, he was in there with lust and all that other crazy stuff. And he was tied up with it. But now it's done reversed. God is taking over now, see. He's beginning to grow in you. And things, it's a process. And now that God is beginning to grow in you, you're beginning to see things differently. But without the revelations, you'll grow stale. So you got to keep trying to grow higher. You got to keep trying to know more about God so that you can stay fresh in God. Because the minute that you stop growing in God, that's the minute that you're going to begin to falter because it's not going to interest you anymore. It's not going to interest you anymore. It says, when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother. They fell down and worshiped him. And when, this is wisdom, these are the wise men, and when they had opened the treasures, now, 2 Corinthians, put it up there, please, 4 7. 2 Corinthians 4 7 tells us that we have this treasure in what kind of vessels? Earthen vessels. That means we have the treasures in here. And the excellence of the powers of God, and it's not of us. So whatever we have as a treasure inside of us, it, it, it's really come from God and it really belongs to God. But God is allowing us to use it. Amen? 
I'm about finished. Says that they opened the treasures. What good is it? Okay. Christmas is tomorrow, right? Somebody's going to give you some presents. Just wrapped up, right? Now what good is the present if you don't open it? When they brought the gift, they say they opened it, right? So that you, it can reveal what's in it. See, a lot of, we got these treasures in us and we ain't open it. I'm going to get back up here. Jesus Christ. We got all these treasures in us, but we so caught up in these worldly affairs. Some of us right now are depressed simply because we haven't been able to spend and go in debt like we wanted to. And the ones that say not me, and they haven't, they have before. So we got to be straight, right? Let's be honest. Praise God that we learn. But how do we learn? Through suffering, paying them bills for the rest of the year. Well, you done went and got something for a child, and you could have gave the child a cardboard box. The child would have had more fun with the box that came in than what's inside the box. And then two hours later, he done tore it up and done put it over there. And now he over here beating on pots and pans. And he's just as happy. I'm just talking to you now. So who are you really trying to satisfy? Your own guilt? That's what you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing. They open the gifts. See, we got to learn to allow God to open the gifts in us. Amen? We got to allow that. Otherwise, we've got a wrapped package and we're toting it around like something crazy. And it's just there. And we don't even know what we got. It's like having a bank account and can't get in it. The devil is a lie. Or cars and can't drive. Or houses and can't get in it. The devil is a stinking lie. No more. Open them presents. They belong to you. Open them gifts. They belong to you. They belong to you. Gold. Purity of spirit. They belong to you. Myrrh. Purity of the soul. They belong to you. Frankincense, purity, or, or frankincense is the purity of the soul. They belong to you. The mirth is the purity of the physical body. They belong to you. See, all this belongs to you. It's called Jesus was pure in spirit, pure in soul, which is the mind, will, and the emotion, and he was pure, sinless in his flesh. And being in Christ, we too, we too are covered by what he is. Not what we are, but what he is in us. Amen? Because a man at his best state is altogether vanity. So see, now when I learned that, it helped me a lot. Because, you see, I used to fight myself to always try to be at my best. Impossible. That's like trying to live the law. You can't do it. 
And then God said, well, look, it don't make no difference whether you're at your worst or whether you're at your best. It's still vanity to me. That's what the Bible said. So you might as well put this thing on cruise control and let God do it. Amen. And stop worrying about what you don't have because the Bible says if you have a willing mind first, it's accepted that which you have over that which you don't have. So I think we're worrying about the wrong thing. I think that we need to remember that God loves us. If he didn't love us, look how many people that died just here in the last week. That's why I pray during this time of the season for protection over y'all and my own family. Because people get in bad situations during this time of the season. During this time of the season, I don't even come out at night. And I ain't pretty well scared of nothing. But this season, around this time, I'm in it, dog. Are people crazy? People are crazy. So keep it safe, people, and keep it loving. And the new year is coming in, you know. We want to be around for it, and we don't want to do the same thing and make the same mistakes that we made all doing last year, right? This time, we really don't want to say we're going to do this and do that, and then a week later, we're doing something else, okay? See, we can do better. First of all, we're doing better than we think we are. That's first thing. And second thing is we can do better if we just allow some more of this Jesus to reveal himself in us. Amen? Let's give God some praise. I'm done.